0: The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. The scripture reading this morning is from Luke
1: chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. If you're using the Bible underneath your chair, it's on page 804, the very top of the page. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Luke 1, verses 39 through 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb.
2: Uh, For those who don't know, this man behind me is Brady Reeder. Say hi, Brady. Okay, most of you know him. So Brady is one of the pastors here. He's a great man. He loves God's Word. He loves you all. Um, He's also a a gifted counselor who um, seeks to invest uh, in the people here in Delta and also our community as a whole. And he's going to be preaching this text today. So I just want to pray for Brady, and then I would encourage you to do the same. Um, uh, You know, Pastor Jonathan, he's actually on vacation, so he'll be out next week as well. So you'll see uh, Brian Hubert up here next week. So let's pray for Brady, okay? Father, I thank you for my brother and my friend Brady. Um, I just pray right now that you would, um, God, you would just narrow our gaze. You would just narrow our gaze and lock us into your word, that you would lock us into what you desire for us. Even right now, we would ask ourselves, do we really want to learn about God's word and be changed to pursue God more? Do we actually want that? And I pray we would say yes, and that in that case, you would honor our desire, and you use Brady to help us see your word more clearly, see what it means to see Jesus more rightly, to understand the Father's work more fully and the power of the Holy Spirit and that Brady could help us see you, enjoy you, and follow you more. We pray just for this time that you would bind the enemy from this place and that you would teach us, and that just like a telescope that can see beyond, you would let us just focus in, and we could understand, see, and believe your word. And you use Brady mightily. In your name, amen.
0: Thank you, John. Good morning, Delta. Delta. Good to see all of you this morning. Thank you for being faithful together with God's people this morning. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're thrilled to have you here in worship with us. We are continuing our journey uh, through the book of Luke. We're working right now through the first chapter. And you'll remember last week we studied Luke's account of the angelic announcement of the Savior's arrival. 400 years of silence have ended. Angels have appeared to Zechariah and Mary. God has done miraculous things within the womb of an elderly, barren Elizabeth. He's done miraculous things within the womb of a young virgin, Mary. So now with the announcement of the Savior covered, Luke now begins to take several verses in his gospel to begin helping his readers understand what type of work the Savior will accomplish. And you'll remember Pastor John mentioning that Dr. Luke takes great effort in these first few chapters to help his audience understand, to help them become crystal clear that there is only one person who has the credentials, the qualifications to be the Savior Of mankind. One person is qualified to bring to fulfillment all the promises of the Old Testament. There is only one person with the credential rescuer written on his resume, and it is the one who has been conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a young virgin named Mary. Our main idea this morning is simply this. Jesus accomplishes joyful rescue for his people. Jesus accomplishes joyful rescue for his people. If you haven't opened to Luke 1 yet, I invite you to do so now. Our text this morning picks up on the heels of Gabriel's life-changing announcement to Mary, right? Gabriel departs at the end of verse 38, and as we turn to verse 39, Mary herself departs as well. Luke says she arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Now, we're not explicitly told why she takes this quick journey. Uh, We do know That Gabriel, back in verse 36, has informed her that Elizabeth herself has experienced a miraculous conception. So maybe, maybe the reason that Mary heads to Elizabeth's house in haste is because she knows, perhaps, just maybe, Elizabeth is someone that Mary can talk to about all that's just happened. Because after all, Elizabeth herself has just received hard-to-fathom life-changing news. For whatever reason, we're not told those particular details within this gospel as to why Mary heads there. But what is clear is that this visit turns out to be anything but ordinary because there are divine fingerprints all over this scene within the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Mary leaves one divine encounter and walks into another divine encounter because we're going to see that Mary's arrival is met with spirit-filled, spirit-inspired, joyful celebration. This is our first sub-point for these next few verses. The arrival of Jesus is cause for joyful celebration. The arrival of Jesus is cause for joyful celebration. No doubt, Luke, probably having heard this account from Mary herself, tells us that when she arrives in this Judean town, she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And at the moment, Mary's greeting reaches the ears of Elizabeth a celebration erupts inside of Elizabeth's womb. Now Luke, you'll remember, has already told us back in verse 15 that even from the womb, a baby John will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And because Luke brings the centrality of the Holy Spirit to our attention, I think this helps us to better understand, helps us to better make sense why and how Elizabeth and John respond the way that they do. Because Mary hasn't called Elizabeth to tell her she's on her way. Mary hasn't sent an email to Elizabeth to tell her she's on her way. Elizabeth hasn't seen a tweet with breaking news about Mary's angelic visit. She hasn't seen a Facebook post from Mary that says, hashtag mother of the Messiah. Elizabeth doesn't know these things. Mary literally walks in the house, gives what was most likely a very simple greeting, and celebration erupts. First, within the womb of Elizabeth, even before he is born, the spirit-filled baby John still in the womb, I would argue, has begun his ministry. He is announcing the arrival of the Savior. He is announcing the arrival of the Messiah. Verse 44, Elizabeth tells Mary that it was a leap of joy inside her room. So this was not a typical pregnant mother moment, you know, where you're putting your hand on the belly and you feel a little elbow or a butt or a hip, or what, sorry, or a hip, I should say that, or a heel or something like this. This wasn't one of those moments this was a leap of joy, a celebratory response from the baby inside of Elizabeth because of the divine baby inside of Mary that just entered the house. Mary's greeting not only prompts a response from baby John, Elizabeth herself erupts in celebration. Luke says, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit herself, bursts with excitement. Verse 42, she exclaims with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. In other words, Mary, out of all the women of the world, you are the most blessed. Why is she blessed? The answer is found in the very next part. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Think what Luke wants his readers to see here in these few verses is a scene of joyful celebration, a scene of excitement and thrill. I mean, think about how incredible this moment really is. You have two pregnant women. Both of which, humanly speaking, just before, were in situations where pregnancy was impossible. Elizabeth, barren and advanced in years. Mary, a virgin. Now both of them are pregnant. Even more amazing, God the Father chose for his Son, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who is sustaining all of creation. He chose for him to enter the world through the womb of a teenage girl. God himself, second person of the Trinity, the light of the world, chose to occupy the dark intimate little space in which he creates you and me the creator inside the womb of a woman he created i mean can you imagine the weight of this moment for these two ladies from the promise of a seed all the way back in genesis 3 Generation after generation, century after century, failure after failure, promise after promise, through great kings, through terribly wicked kings, through defeat, through exile, through barren wombs and crushed hopes, through 400 years of silence. And then finally, in a small, quiet place, the promise arrived. The wait is over. The immensity of the moment, I don't think, is it's not lost on Elizabeth because she humbly asks in verse 40, 43, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth recognizes this is no ordinary pregnancy. Mary, Elizabeth, and John are in the presence of someone greater than all of them. Truly, this is a scene of joyful celebration, as it should be. Christian, I want to ask you this morning, how long has it been since you have just sat and meditated on the fact that the Messiah has come to you, How long has it been since you have meditated on that fact to the point that your heart erupts with joyful celebration because He came I too can now say with full assur- assurance just like Elizabeth He is my Lord You can say that He is Your, Lord, our hearts, I would argue, should erupt with joy and wonder, just as our sisters Elizabeth did, in saying, why is it granted that He would come to me? Yet again, verse 45, just as in verse 38, Mary's belief is highlighted. Elizabeth exclaims, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. God in His kindness through the blessing of Elizabeth encourages Mary because of her faith. When she heard what must have been an unbelievable word from the angel, Mary believed. She believed. And based off of Jesus' words that we'll get to in Luke 8 and 11, I would argue that Mary's faith and obedience are even more important than her physical relationship to Jesus. Because in Luke 8, someone tells Jesus that his mother and his brothers are looking for him. What is his response? My brother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. In Luke 11, a woman in the crowd yells, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Faith and obedience. Friends, we would be wise to recognize and identify this theme because it is woven all throughout the pages of, of God's Word. The life of spiritual blessing is the life that believes every word of God and obeys. Belief and obedience. Belief and obedience. Well, we know that the joyful celebration from John and Elizabeth, it's not the only thing that fills the air there of Zechariah's home because now Luke turns his attention and our attention to the words of Mary. Subpoint for this next section, the arrival of Jesus assures merciful rescue. The arrival of Jesus assures merciful rescue. Rescue. As Elizabeth is caught up in celebration, young Mary, she's caught up in praise to her mighty God. And as students of the Bible, you'll probably recognize this song is very similar to the song that Hannah sang back in 1 Samuel. And furthermore, I think students of the Bible, you'll recognize that actually all throughout this song, Mary is singing scripture. You can look through the cross-references in your own time there of your Bible and see that she's pulling multiple song, psalms together into one song. And as we turn to look at her song here for a few minutes, I think we would do well to remind ourselves of Jesus' words from Luke 6, where he teaches that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mary's song is filled with Scripture. Why? Because Mary's heart in Mary's mind, are filled with Scripture. And such an overwhelmingly, and probably no doubt, terrifying for her at times, in such a crazy situation, what comes out of her is what has been steadily poured into her, the Word of God. Friends, have you ever stopped to consider what comes out of you? What comes out of you? When life gets hard. When suffering hits. When the unknown of the future weighs down on you. What are the things that fill your mind? What are the things that come out of your mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For Mary, what came out of her mouth was God's word because it was what was in her heart. And notice her attention is not on herself. I mean, she recognizes there in verse 48 all generations will call her blessed, but her attention is on God. Her heart is humble. Her mouth is filled with praise. Verse 46 My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Do you notice what she says there at the end of the verse? Mary recognizes her own need for salvation. She rejoices in God, my Savior. Friends, it's important to note here, as one commentator said, there is no hint here or anywhere else in the Gospels of Mary being sinless or perfect. She acknowledges her own need of a Savior and she rejoices at her salvation. Friends, Mary is not to be worshipped. But she does, however, and as a teenager, remember, She does, however, model for us what a humble heart of faith, trust, and worship should look like. Why does her soul magnify and her spirit rejoice? Because he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, verse 48. The word she uses literally means handmaid or female slave. This is how she viewed herself. And God saw her. Friends, God is a personal God. He saw Mary. He knew Mary. He sees you. He knows you. He who is mighty, she says in verse 49, has done great things. For me, the mighty God doing great things on behalf of his people. This is nothing short of grace and mercy because sinful human beings do not deserve to have great things done for them by a mighty God with a holy name. But that's exactly what he does, he's mighty. He's merciful, and His mercy is for who? Mary says, for those who fear Him. From generation to generation. And is this not what we see? All through the pages of the Old Testament, generation after generation, even after continual failure, God pouring out His rescuing mercy on His people. Mary has read it, Mary has heard it time and again, and she can't help but sing about it in verses 50 through 53. The God who has done great things for her actually has quite a track record of doing great things for His people. And notice the theme of reversal all throughout these verses. The proud, the mighty, the rich stand no chance against the strength of of a mighty God who intervenes on behalf of his people. Again, as students of the Bible, we we know this. Page after page we read how God has shown his strength against his enemies. The mighty thrones, the mighty empires of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome, where are they? They've been brought down. Those with prideful hearts consumed with themselves, consumed with their desires and accomplishments. The prideful and heart-thinking life is all about them. How do things turn out for them? Maybe the Tower of Babel comes to mind. Or how about Nebuchadnezzar? Pridefully basking in the kingdom that he believed he built for himself. The next minute... God takes away his kingdom, takes away his sanity, and the old boy is wandering around like a wild beast out in the wilderness. He scatters the proud. What happens to the rich? They're sent away empty. The world's wealth is nothing before the one who owns everything. Friends, the values... The desires, the standards of the world mean nothing in God's eyes. To have everything in the world, to be the most important person in the world, and to not have God is to actually have and be nothing. But notice what happens to those who are nothing in the world's eyes. God exercises His rescuing mercy And the strength of His arm on their behalf. Because His mercy is for those who fear Him. The humble are exalted. The hungry are filled with good things. Who are the humble? Those of humble estate are those who recognize their spiritual poverty. They are those who admit that actually I don't have it all together. If I'm quite honest, I'm actually a pretty hot mess on my own. Those of humble estate recognize that life is not all about them. They recognize they are actually in great need of God and His forgiveness. Those who are hungry refers not just to physical hunger, but those who are spiritually hungry. Those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness that only God can give. Those are the ones who are filled with great things. Over and over again, the pages of the Old Testament demonstrate, verse 54, how God has helped His servant, Israel. He has remembered His mercy He has remembered, Mary says, the promises He spoke to Abraham and his offspring forever. Now, think back to the point for this section. The arrival of Jesus assures merciful rescue. Now, none of these verses explicitly mention Jesus. But we know that the mighty things God did in the Old Testament were only shadows pointing to the mighty things that God the Son would accomplish in the New Testament. See, I think there's a reason that Mary, while pregnant with the Messiah, specifically saying about these things. See, according to many commentators... The verb tense that she is using, it's kind of lost on on us in the English, but it's not just past tense. She's actually looking forward as well to all that will be accomplished by the fruit of her womb. There's a reason she's singing these things at this moment. She realizes what's happening within her is not in just happening in some spiritual vacuum. She realizes God has remembered his mercy. He has been faithful to his promises because all the promises of the covenant of God made to Abraham and his offspring were about to be fulfilled by the one within her womb. The mighty one, the Messiah. The arrival of Jesus assures the merciful rescue of his people because it's through his life, death, and resurrection that merciful rescue will be purchased and completed. Mary, no doubt, had heard and read prophecies like Isaiah 53, where Isaiah says that there is one coming and it is in his hand that the will of the Lord would prosper It is through this servant, the righteous one, as Isaiah calls him, that many shall be made to be be accounted as righteous because he shall bear their iniquities. Merciful rescue is assured because the merciful rescuer has arrived on the scene. And as we'll see in the coming weeks and months as we work systematically through the book of Luke, we're going to see the strength and power of God that will be on display. We're going to see that no human thrones or seats of authority will be able to stop Him. We're going to see the proud be silenced and scattered We're going to see the humble exalted. We're going to see the hungry be filled, not only physically, but most importantly, spiritually. We're going to see that the rich have no sway, no power whatsoever over the Messiah. And we're going to see over and over again in the weeks ahead that His mercy is for those who, who fear Him. For those who humble their hearts before Him and say, I need you. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need to be rescued. So friends, as we close this morning, I... That's what I leave you with. Have you been rescued? Have you humbled yourself before Him in repentance and faith and received the mercy from the mighty hand of God? For the Christian here this morning, for those who have received Mercy. I want to briefly redirect your attention to verses 54 and 55 at the end there of Mary's song. Friends, God remembers His promises, God remembers His mercy. No matter what your experience of life is like at this moment, no matter how long you've prayed, no matter how long it seems as though God has been silent in your situation, no matter how you might feel about God in this moment, know this, God remembers His Word. God is faithful to His promises. The arrival of Jesus is proof So Christian, keep going. Keep believing. Keep looking to him. Hear the words of Elizabeth one last time. Blessed is the one who believes that there will be a fulfillment of what the Lord has spoken. Friends, God is faithful. Every promise that he has given to us will come to fulfillment. Keep going. Let's pray. God, we thank you that though our sins are many, your mercy is more. that though we are faithless, you remain faithful. We rejoice that though we are or nobody, you work through nobodies to bring glory and honor to yourself. We thank you that even in the silence, you are working. Even when our feelings may be all over the place, you're faithful. You are unwavering in your promises, just as you have demonstrated time and time and time again. God, I pray that if there are those here who do not fear you and have not received your mercy, that even now the Spirit would shake them to the core. That blinded eyes would be open. That deaf ears would be made to hear. Mm. And that hearts, even now, would be able to exclaim, why is it granted that my Lord would come to me? God, would you do these things for your honor and glory? Would you ignite the fire of our faith? Because we have a faithful, powerful, mighty, merciful God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.